When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The biggest breaking news stories and outspoken opinion. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. Good morning to you. Thank you very much indeed for your company. It's another beautiful day uh, out there. Lovely blue skies, sunshine. Let's try and let's try and be cheery in the face of all the bad news. Goodness me. Vaccine passports, blood clots, face masks in the classroom, uh, huge cost of travelling if we ever get to travel abroad. Anything else we can get miserable about? Uh, I'm going to do my best to try and keep everyone cheery. Although I have to say, when I saw the news about face masks in the classroom for secondary school kids uh, to continue on May the 17th um, I'm not going to lie shed a bit of a tear at just with sheer frustration that every single measure that is brought in is always extended isn't it every single thing and there is never anything which is like just for a few weeks nothing that has ever been brought in for a few weeks during this pandemic has ever lasted for a few weeks it's a few months or who knows a few years um, once we've allowed those face masks in the classroom that is going to be it well we're going to be talking to campaigners on that we're going to be talking about vaccine passports. Interesting, the United States White House has ruled out a federal vaccination passport uh, for the American people, saying no, their right to privacy and the right not to be asked for their papers is a fundamental American freedom. Bet you wish we had a UK constitution now, folks. And we're going to be talking about uh, the obviously fears about the AstraZeneca vaccine uh, amid the concerns about blood clots. All of that coming up. Uh, We're going to talk about a lot of it with my uh, guest who's joining me all this morning, late editor at the I newspaper, Benjamin Butterworth. Good morning to you, Benjamin. Good morning, Julia. Lovely to chat to you. Um, Let's talk, first of all, about the issue over blood clots. Now, this is something that has been raised, I know, by a number of scientists, uh, um, you know, long before it hit the front pages of newspapers around Europe. And then, of course, we had issues raised by the European Medicines Agency, Macron and, and Merkel and other people because they'd raised lots of concerns about, you know, this vaccine not have not being affected in over 65s and not being effective in under 55 and goodness knows what, because they changed their tune and got so many things wrong. Let's face it, lots of people didn't pay much attention. There is undoubtedly a case that there have been a number, a small number, very, very, very small number of cases where people have had blood clots, particularly in the brain, very rare forms of blood clots after having the AstraZeneca vaccine. Now, what we don't know, we've also had some issues with the similar issues with the Pfizer vaccine. What we don't know is whether they have been caused by the vaccine, whether these were just bad luck, uh, or whether, in fact, of course, uh, there is an issue that actually blood clots are a factor and a big concern about getting COVID. And therefore, actually, fewer people would have got blood clots from having the vaccine than from not having the vaccine and getting COVID. So there's an awful lot to sort of pull apart there. But um, what is your reaction to the news that 
that, that there are concerns about possibly particularly younger people taking these vaccines in terms of their trade-off of risks, but also the decision by Oxford University to pause their jabs for um, what well, the, test, the testing trials for young people aged 6 to 17 children who are currently undergoing trials for the AstraZeneca jab. Well, exactly, yeah. So children, the trials are not going to continue to go ahead. So clearly the scientists must wonder whether the possibility of that is higher as you get to younger people and higher among children, which they're currently testing a version of this of this um, dose on. Now, what we do know for certain is that the incidence of blood clots is... Uh, less common among people that have had the AstraZeneca vaccine than would normally be imagined, which suggests that, you know, we don't know necessarily whether one has caused the other. That's what they're clearly trying to work out for certain. But we know that it's it's not sort of a, a number that should be scary. But the reality is that even if it was slightly higher than the incidents that you naturally get in society of blood clots. That would still be a far smaller chance of getting a blood clot than someone getting COVID and getting seriously ill without the vaccine. And I think that's something that we ultimately have yeah. to square. It appears that this really is an incredibly safe vaccine. Yeah. You know, all the indications say that. But even if there were small possibilities of things, as there are with an awful lot of medicines, yes. then that would still be a much lower risk than the actual COVID is key thing it's it's very easy to see these headlines and say oh no this is terrible this will this will cause me this or that problem as i had a really unpleasant reaction uh, to to the uh, my first dose of astrazeneca um and i mean and, and i know an awful lot of people who have but again people can have bad reactions to a number of different vaccines i'm saying i had a heck of a lot of vaccines having done a lot of international travel over the years and it's the worst one i ever had but um that wouldn't necessarily put me off in terms of, you know, life is full of trade-offs and you're trading off risks. I think we've we've established very clearly in the last year that both the government um, and, and indeed SAGE and the general public are pretty bad at working out risks. Now, the risks for, say, someone like my parents in their late 70s, the risk of them not taking the vaccine or them taking the vaccine absolutely blatantly clear they should take the vaccine and you know, having their second doses. Um, there is a different trade-off with, say, people in their 20s or 30s, and certainly with children, at incredibly low risk. If you are healthy, under the age of 50, your chances of getting any serious problem from COVID or from dying from COVID are infinitesimally small, in which case, are you trading off one risk for the other, and, and what's the balance? Now, this is going to raise some issues in terms of the government wanting, well, moving the goalposts from, of course, the whole vaccinating the most uh, the most vulnerable and then we cry freedom when 70 plus are vaccinated then it became 50 plus and then it became all adults but this is this is undoubtedly going to affect the rollout isn't it um, in terms of young people's willingness to take the vaccine now if it's a if it's a shrug this will help with the herd immunity but it won't make any difference to me that's one thing but I, I know particularly a lot of young women who are concerned about concerned about fertility issues. There's no evidence of any risk to fertility, um, but there's 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 no they they haven't got any evidence 100 percent that it's not a risk of fertility. So people are going to start having concerns which they perhaps didn't have before, don't you think? 
I mean, you know, the risks of a blood clot being caused from uh, birth control pills are significantly higher than any evidence from the AstraZeneca vaccine. And yet we don't sort of routinely question that. In well, no, people, no, on the contrary, this is this is discussed with you at great lengths when you go on the pill by your GP. Um, but also, by the way, not being on the pill and getting pregnant and having an abortion is a much higher physical risk. So, you know, <laughs> our pregnancy is quite high risk for women as well. So it's a, it's a weighing up of relative risk, isn't it? Exactly. But, you know, you asked the question, do you think uh, under 30, do you think young people will be less likely to get it? I think, I think if there's any characteristic that an overwhelming majority of, of young people have, it's a sense that they are invincible <laughs> to many health problems. And so I, I, I've got a suspicion that it won't scare that many young people this, this blood clot risk. I can comprehend maybe people that are thinking of getting pregnant in the near future or for, and want kids, whether those specific people will will be alarmed by it if there's some evidence. And that's, that's you know, you can you can understand that if, if that turns out to be the case. But no, I don't think it will affect the rollout too much. And of course, Britain has the lowest uh, vaccine hesitancy rate of any country in the world. And I think a lot of people made their mind up about this vaccine and people don't tend to, to change their minds once they've made it up. And they know the risks of COVID and that's far more present in people's, in people's uh, anxieties. Yeah, that's a very good point. Well, um, I wonder again if a lot of people will be getting the vaccine who, who are in the younger age groups who aren't so concerned about getting COVID uh, for themselves. They're more concerned about, obviously, older relatives. Uh, it's always been my concern over this period, but but uh, but also concerned about getting access to ordinary daily services. Now, the vaccine passports idea is being pushed. There's a lot of politics around this. The practicality is, though, we were told it wouldn't be pubs and restaurants initially. I've no doubt at all the vaccine passports are brought in, uh, this COVID certification uh, that we would be pubs and restaurants you know later on of course that they're reopening next week uh, outdoors so it would be too soon for that to be brought in but we're now talking also about high street shops as well the idea that if you want to go try on a, a coat or a pair of shoes uh, that you have to produce a vaccine passport i mean i think one just gloriously laughable if it wasn't so sinister uh, we're going to be talking to a big brother watcher silky carlo about their campaign against this but it's interesting that overnight the united states white house has ruled out a federal vaccine parcel passport for Americans um, and uh, and we know a number of states, Texas, Florida and others have said that they will not uh, allow this, they're actually going to refuse to allow this in their states. Um, it would be really interesting that, that, that we go down that route and the Americans don't. Yeah, exactly. Although I think what we will certainly have is vaccine passports for getting between countries. And I imagine the US will introduce that as it's already clear that we will and many other countries. I think I think in this country, there's a lot of questions being raised about the vaccine passport. And I've, I've certainly been questioning the idea myself as we learn more about the government's plans. For example, they said at first, in when they laid out the uh, lockdown roadmap to leaving, that by the 21st of June, that would be the final stage that meant social distancing was axed. Mm-hmm. But now there's a lot of claims that social distancing in places like nightclubs, festivals, uh, cinemas, that it will only be axed if you have uh, the vaccine passport, which isn't what the government said in the first place. No, it's, so all, it's that... almost like we can't trust a word they say, isn't it? And then, and then the other point is that, according to um, the Sunday Telegraph, this won't be available until around September. Mm. And so the question I have is, if we, uh, you know, release the country into into some form of normality on the 21st of June, how are they going to convince people suddenly that they could go into you know the nightclub or maybe even the pub 
uh, one day earlier, but now they're banned without having this passport. But, oh, but of course, months. we'll have a new variant then. I mean, I, I think what we'll start is a bingo card. I've had, do you know what? I'm going to start a sweepstake in the office. What country uh, the new variant is going to be from, which they're going to come up with? Because every time we get close to freedom, they, they, they spring a new variant on us, which, which is obviously far more deadly and far more terrible. They never turn out to be more deadly. I mean, some of them are more infectious. But again, why does that matter if people have been vaccinated en masse as we would have been by then? But I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? It's um, um They can't bring a lot of this in quite yet because they, they haven't got the technology and they haven't got it all sorted. There are so many practical issues around the fact that you know people have this idea that there is a, there's a big sort of computer database somewhere with everyone's names on it and who's had what dose when of which jab. Um, that doesn't exist. There is no central database of everyone who's had uh, COVID. It has to go into your into your personal medical records. Uh, these are these are very very different issues. But um, it, it is it is fascinating how much this is moving on. The the the, the, the politics of that is interesting though. We've had now a promise. Michael Gove told MPs behind the scenes. We had Nadim Sahawi, uh, the vaccine um, rollout minister, yesterday. It was saying that uh, there will be a vote in Parliament. Now they may well have a vote in Parliament with a statutory instrument where you don't actually end up seeing the whole of Parliament votes. I think that they have to be taking this to the floor of the House. Um, we're told yesterday that Labour have, uh, are probably going to whip against vaccine passports. We've got at least 40 Tory MPs opposed. We've got... Um, we already had a whole bunch of, uh, of, of, of Labour and backbench Labour MPs, including Jeremy Corbyn, opposed. Liberal Democrats opposed. However, if the SNP vote with the Conservatives, which would be an interesting uh, 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 grouping um, in the government, then we could actually see vaccine passports go through. Um, that would be a fascinating vote, wouldn't it? And that would be pretty, pretty telling about where we're going. It would, although I think there could possibly also be some some trickery in what the government puts forward. Because, for example, if what they put forward says, uh, you know, these pubs and these businesses like nightclubs and festivals can only go forward, can only get rid of social distancing if, if they, they have... Yeah the COVID passport, well, then that makes it very difficult for Labour to vote against because they would effectively be voting against all sorts of businesses reopening. Yeah. And so I think, you know, the government can play a card like that that makes it far more likely that it would pass Parliament. Yeah, indeed. I'm just always amazed at the, the number of people, as I keep saying, if you did a Venn diagram of people who were desperate to have COVID passports to go and attend concerts, football matches, pubs or whatever, and people who uh, who actually go and do those things. There's barely any overlap at all. I really don't think we should listen to the opinions who don't actually if you've not been to a concert, a football match or a pub in the last three years, I'm not sure your opinion's that useful on this topic. Uh, 6.47 is the time. More from Benjamin Butterworth. Going to talk about face masks in the classroom, uh, travel uh, and uh, hospitality high court case as well. That's all coming up here on Talk Radio. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.